0: So, this morning, let's open our Bibles in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 9 and 10. And the message is entitled Belonging. Belonging. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Our word we pray. Father, we come with open hearts this morning, Lord, look around the world, and we just pray, Holy Spirit of God, once more, Lord, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that you would teach us from your word this morning, and Lord, when you speak, you always have a purpose, you always want to produce something in us, Lord, and we're here to receive from you this morning, Lord, that we might leave this place different. So help us, pray. help me to communicate it clearly, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's oh, yeah. Belonging.
1: You know, as human beings, <clears throat> we have this intrinsic need
0: to belong to somebody, right? To belong to either a group or to someone. We're not made to live isolated lives, are we? We don't do it well, do we? You know, if we get lonely, you know, there's so many people suffering with loneliness in these days. And let's look out for that, you know. And so we have it within ourselves to belong. And, you know, very often, unfortunately, we can belong to the wrong groups. When I was out in in Brazil, I remember some of the younger generation, and how easy it is for some of these younger people, especially from, you know, challenging backgrounds, or, or places, the places they live. Very often, unfortunately, determines how they turn out, you know, unless Jesus does a a miraculous work in their life, a, a work of transformation, so often these young people get involved in drugs, trafficking, and violent crime, and so on and so forth, because it gives them a sense of belonging, they become parts of gangs, and you know, when they're part of a gang, they feel as though they've been accepted into something bigger than themselves. And very often they'll take on marks upon their body to show, marks of identification, to show that they identify with these gangs. And and that that sense of belonging, that sense of identification with those gangs, it it reflects in their behaviour. And that's why suddenly you'll find that completely changes between some of the parents. And the parents will be telling you how wonderful they were when they were younger. But suddenly they're mixed up with the wrong people and it has an effect on their behaviour. On their attitudes and everything. We have a sense of belonging that is built into our beings, friends. We need to understand this morning that we are made to belong to him. You can try, you can search for that sense of belonging in so many other places, and so many other things. But you will only find that true sense of belonging when you belong to him. And I want us to look this morning at the people who, who were being challenged because they belonged to the Lord. And we know that it was from the Apostle Peter who wrote this letter, most probably from Rome, and he's writing to a group of churches all across the region of Asia Minor that we know today, we identify today as the, the region of Turkey. Some of you may have been there.
1: So I want you to imagine these are real people
0: like you and I. People who have that sense of belonging, they they suddenly realise, they come into a relationship with God. And they become a part of something much greater than themselves. And they have that sense of identification. And yet they were being challenged for what they believed in. By the rest of society, it wasn't necessarily that there was a, a general persecution against the churches. Some people have suggested that, that they were going through a general persecution. It's more probable that there were local persecutions. These were people that paid the price from their local communities. They were getting, getting criticized. They were getting opposition from their local communities. And yet Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Always remember this as we're coming to the scripture. We're not reading the thoughts of the Apostle Peter here, friends. And merely the thoughts of the Apostle Peter. These thoughts are inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. This is a message from heaven to these people. And this is God saying, hey, I know what you're going through. I know the price that you're paying, but remember this. Remember this. And these words, they echo across the generations. These words were relevant 2,000 years ago and they're relevant today in the society that we live in. And so what can we learn about this belonging? Who do we belong to? Well, let's look at some of this language. We're going to pull this language apart this morning and just analyse some of it. First, it says that you are a chosen generation. You're a chosen generation. I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. I want you to imagine the Apostle Peter standing here in this pulpit and saying to you, Kings Winford, Christian centre, Kingsman for Christian Fellowship. You are a chosen generation. You're a chosen generation.
1: Wow.
0: Here in these words, we know that the Apostle Peter was alluding to some of the language of the Old Testament. And you can find this, this language in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 20 to 21. And a part of that text says, God speaking to his people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And the wonderful thing is, that as God was saying that to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, now, in the New Testament, he's not just speaking to Jewish believers, friends, he's speaking to Gentiles as well. People like you and me that have been grafted into the promises. So I want to tell you this morning, when you're reading these things, it's not that God has finished with the Jews. Oh look, he's speaking just to the church now, he's speaking to the the Gentiles. It's not that we've replaced what God has got planned for Israel, friends. No, it's it's the language of inclusion. Mm -hmm. We as Gentile believers have been included in his covenants, included in these promises. That's wonderful. Because you read through the Old Testament, you see it's the majority of it is about one particular group of people Israel. Yes, there are some Gentiles who, are, who get involved along the way, but predominantly it's about Israel, isn't it? And what God does through the nation of Israel. But always remembering, even as he called his, the, the patriarch Abraham, he always had a vision for the nations. Always had a vision for the nations. And so God is wanting these, these people, because these, these congregations are made up of Jewish and Gentile Christians. He wants them to understand, especially the Gentiles, you are included. You're included. Praise God. You are chosen. You're a chosen generation. We're a chosen people. But you see, being chosen out of the world, it implies living differently. We just said, whoever you identify with has a, an effect upon the way that you live, you? your behaviour. The way that you conduct yourself, the way you think, the way you speak. Well, God has called us to come and be different. And I just want to show you, and we've a I want you to introduce this to someone this morning. we get up? OK. I want to tell you, you haven't got four little creatures there. Anybody know what this is called? A chameleon, and this little fella apparently appeared in Madagascar, not Brazilian, from Madagascar. Well, this is the same little fella, and the wonderful thing about the chameleon—it's an amazing creature, isn't it—that it can change its colour in an instant. You can see it changing its colour, and it can blend in with the background. And usually, it's when it feels threatened, apparently this one did it seven times, seven different colors It change into You can see it on YouTube, the Madagascar chameleon. And I managed to film it as it was changing color. And so I've learned, they can change color depending on their mood change. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there. able to do is when it feels threatened it can blend into the surroundings you can see it, i think on the top right yeah. a little bit more yeah. and if you bring some of these images up on the internet you see what the comedians are capable of i mean perfect camouflage perfect camouflage and be excellent snipers
1: <laughs> that
0: little fella he blends into his surroundings because he feels threatened So he does it to keep himself out of trouble. Do you know there are Christians like that? There are Christians like that who blend into their surroundings. Depending on where they are, they blend in quite well. You
1: know, very often they can camouflage
0: their souls in the society around them to keep them from being internet at all. And
1: so don't be
0: a comedian is the message of the Holy Spirit this morning. You know, the church today—we're running here and there, and we're looking for this strategy and that strategy. As much, what can we do to be relevant to the postmodern culture that we're in? And some of us, you know, we want to paint our walls have got to be a certain color. And we've got to have certain colored lights, and we've got to have this, and we've got to have that because we've got to look like we're relevant to the people around us. Against all those things, by the way, friends, but the motive behind them is the question. But if we strip all the way up, all that away, and we get back to Bible basics, actually what we're called to be is different. You can you're you you're just as relevant, you're more relevant, being different, friends, than trying to be a comedian. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 and 18, he says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. This is New Testament. Come out from among them and be separate. If you need to turn the fans on, guys, turn the fans on, okay? Because it's getting warmer and warmer, isn't it? Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. And you refer to the Isaiah chapter 52 and Ezekiel chapter 20. He says, come out from among them and be separate. New Testament Christianity. Come out from the society that you live in and be different. Be separate. Be different so that you can make a difference. I'm not taking you out of the world. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. The scriptures tell us. Many years ago, I remember going, I was a brand new believer, brand new believer, This was a few years ago. But I remember going to this huge youth, um, it was like a service.
1: And I was just, I think it was one of the first times I'd seen this happen. I didn't know
0: that these, that, you know, church could be full of young people, and I mean younger people, I was younger. And seeing all these young people raising their hands and worshipping the Lord. And I thought, goodness me, this is awesome. You know, God is for young people as well, not just for songs of praise on the Sunday. I used to watch songs of praise and think, oh, no, no, how can they waste their time on a Sunday?
1: It's plums to go drinking and stuff.
0: <laughs> but the Lord changes, you know. Yeah. And so I remember watching all these young people and they were worshipping God and the, the lights were colored lights and so on. <laughs> Bless them all. And, uh, you know, just being, just being in awe of all of this, and then I remember coming out after and listening to some of the conversations. And I heard some of the conversations in the bus stop and what they were going to do next. And what they were talking about, and my heart sank. And I remember thinking to myself, this is not right. I'm not saying anything of course. But I was thinking to myself, this is not right. This is not right. And I'm so disappointed. And it's disappointed not just for me, for the Lord. Because the Lord calls us out to be separate, to be different, so that we might be, or make, a difference. Being chosen also often implies being rejected. And that was what was happening these days, and that is what will happen today. If we're serious about what we believe. If we've got the courage to stand on our convictions, then that will mean rejection by others. And it's horrible, especially, as I've just said, we've got that, that
1: inbuilt need to be accepted. So when we're rejected by others, that
0: hurts, doesn't it? It messes with us, doesn't it? It messes with us. Remember the words of Jesus, John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You see, the fact is that there was a lot of suspicion from society over the Christians, these Christians, because they just weren't they weren't living the same way anymore. they got different values. They couldn't simply participate in the pagan worship that they used to participate in. Imagine these are people who've come out of that background, who had no problems in going and offering sacrifices. You know, to the pagan gods, which were actually demons. They've got no issues about going and, and, and living immoral lifestyles, but all of a sudden something's changed. And the rest of society is looking upon them and thinking, well, who do they think they are? And there's a lot of suspicion, there's a lot of criticism. The Roman historian he says this punishment was inflicted on the Christians, a class of men given to a new and mischievous superstition. A new, and mischievous superstition. See, the Christians, they weren't chameleons. They didn't blend in. They stood out. And they were labeled as haters of mankind and antisocial. And you may well have heard these labels or been given these labels in the days we're living today because of what you stand for. MT Wright says, in the ancient world, those who abstained from worship of local pagan gods were deemed to wish harm upon the city or region. Remember, they in those days, they believed in a multitude of gods. And you had to go off offer different sacrifices to different gods to appease them. And, the, you know, if you weren't willing to participate in that, then you, could, you were just a troublemaker. You wanted problems to come upon your city and upon your town. Imagine, that was the way the thinking was. Well, the trouble is these Christians that could no longer imitate the behaviors of the society that have been f- freed from. And that's the truth about Christianity. When we truly know Jesus, we can never be the same again. We can't be the same again. You know, all, all the pressure and, and, and so on from society to conform to a specific way of speaking and doing,
1: the police is there. In your heart of hearts, you know where to draw the lines, and
0: you say, Absolutely not. I am not that person. I cannot be that way. Mm-hmm. That is what makes us relevant, friends, to the society around us. Not the colour of the walls or the colour of the lights or whatever. Wonderful. The banties or anything like that. That's what's going to make us relevant. Because there's none of this in these days. We just heard it. Praise God. I think it was prophetic that day. The battery flat out. Yes. <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Praise God. None of this, in those days, is a style, a lifestyle, and by their lifestyle, the way they conducted themselves, the things they did, the things they said, and so on, convicted those around them. And either other people would be looking at that and feeling, feeling threatened by it, and so they would react and criticise and persecute and so on, or it would start to convict them themselves and they'd begin to ask questions and they'd be seeking to see what, what the secret of it is. And the Holy Spirit did his work. Guys have been called to be separate. To be different. Wow. Secondly, he says, you are a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. So you've been delivered from the world and the system of the
1: world and the, the, the society in which you live in and all of its distorted values.
0: And you've been delivered from that to become something that is to be a royal priesthood. In Exodus chapter 19 verse 5 and 6. This is what the Lord says about Israel. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Then you will be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. A kingdom of priests. Remember what the priests, we're not just talking about the the Levitical priests within the nation of Israel, okay?
1: He's actually saying to the nation you are going to be a
0: kingdom of priests. And thinking about what the priests used to do, the priests would minister in the sanctuary. They had access to the sanctuary of the Lord, they would minister to the Lord in his sanctuary. But they'd also offer up prayers and so on for for the community. So again, it's, it's it's a representative position, isn't it? You will represent me as a royal priesthood in the earth. No pressure. <laughs> royal in the sense that it is a kingdom community. Royal in the sense that we have a king. We have a king. And God is our king. Yes, so we're part of a royal priesthood. Kingdom is the sphere of God's reign. The kingdom is a vast subject to study in the scriptures, friends. But we know that at this point in time, we see the kingdom. There's a sense in which the whole earth is the kingdom of God. And that humanity, the majority of it, is in rebellion against that kingdom, against his kingdom. But we actually see, there's a sense in which right now, the kingdom of God is being expressed in a spiritual sense. Through the way that we live our lives. To be a kingdom, to be under the king, to be under the rule and reign of the king. That he might rule and reign over our thoughts. And rule and reign over our desires. Over the words that come out of our mouth. Over the actions. That's what he's called us to. It's the sphere of God's reign. It's To express the kingdom is to convey God's rule over every aspect of life. It speaks about consecrating life. He's saying, look, I've separated you from this world and called you out of it. Because it's doomed. It's doomed. <laughs> it is. It is. And you can see it going down that road, can't you? And it's heartbreaking. And that's why we have to be busy about the Father's business. To save as many souls as possible. You know, because this ship's going down. The truth be told. However... There will come a day when God will establish his kingdom in the earth. It the cons- will be a consummated kingdom. Jesus will return and establish his kingdom in the earth, and the nations will know what it is to live under the king. So, what does it look like now, friends? But on a personal level, it means the ability to resist the pressures of our society, to conform to its rebellion and immorality. Yet expressing at the same time the love and concern of God for fallen humanity. Do you understand that? If we're part of his kingdom it means that I I am subjected and I am only subjected to my kingdom. My, My moral values are in line with his moral values and I'm not going to be pressured into something different because I belong to a different kingdom. I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness and brought into planted in the kingdom of his beloved son to new kingdom, new values. And that's what I stand for. And you can shout from the rooftops and you can try and pressure me and bully me. I will not compromise. That's what we're saying. I will not compromise. But you know something? I'm not going to see you as my enemy because you're different. Because you live in that way, you're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. I'm still going to love you with the love of God. Yes? I'm not here to beat you. You know I've come from that kind of background. i lived as a rebel as well. I know what it's like. And so I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to bring you a message of salvation, transformation, a message of hope. Yes. To become mediators of God's power. To heal the sick. To cast out devils. To comfort the oppressed and so forth, so on and so forth, in order to come in and we're here to, to express his kingdom rule and reign. Sometimes that means laying hands on the sick and seeing them being set free from the sickness. Sometimes it means casting out devils, those who are impressed by devils. For this reason the Son of God was manifested in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. And the Son of God, praise God, he's with the Father right now, but the Holy Spirit is here. He didn't leave us as orphans, he sent his Holy Spirit. And through His Holy Spirit we're here to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. A royal priesthood. Next what does he say? A holy nation. A holy nation. Again, thinking back to what he's just said about Israel being a holy nation. You only have to read the, the history of Israel. Which is there for our benefit, by the way. So that we learn to not make the mistakes that they made. You see that they weren't exactly the holy nation they were called to be. So very often, they allowed themselves to be conformed to to the thinking and the practices of the nations around them that were practicing abhorrent things. Idolatrous practices and so on. And it wasn't that they completely abandoned the worship of Yahweh. Did you know that? That's what's so bizarre. They'd still have the temple and they still offer their sacrifices to Yahweh, the the God of Israel. But they didn't just want to uh, sacrifice the gods to to Yahweh, they wanted to sacrifice to other gods and to keep everybody else happy. Because you can't be so narrow-minded as just to think there's one God. Well, that's what the Bible teaches. One God. Everything else is a lie. And every other idol is demonic. There are demons behind these things. Not just innocent little images, they are demons. The holiness of God's people is established on two pillars. Number one, we're a people that has been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why I read it right at the beginning of the service. You've been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, In in one John, one verse eight from the wrong. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That's not a one-off, friends. It's not just the moment that you came to him in faith and repentance. Yes, you got washed, but that blood of Jesus continues to purify, continues to wash you. Isn't that good? You've been purified, washed with the blood of Jesus Christ. That sets you apart as holy. You see, when we're talking about holy in respect to human beings, we're not talking about perfection, are we? You're in a process, you will be perfected. You're in a process. When we talk about God, we're talking about holiness. We're talking about the perfect standard of holiness. Yes? And yet he said, the second pillar is that we're a people sanctified by obedience to God. In 1 Peter 1 verse 15 and 16 it says, But as he who called you is holy, as we just said, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Why? Because you know, I've called you to be a kingdom of priests. You're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. Therefore be holy, because you represent me. You represent me. There's nothing worse than being misrepresented, is there? We do it in many ways. God does not want us to misrepresent who he is. He wants us to represent who he is. Hallelujah. Going back into that particular society, this is what's said by one Bible commentator, Merrill. He says there, there finally came a time when it's the Roman Empire. Must either fight or timely acknowledge a superpower within its own borders. There was a superpower within the borders of the Roman Empire. It didn't matter how much they persecuted it, who rose up as the emperor and what he did, that superpower was too strong. And that superpower was the church of Jesus Christ, a church that was blood washed, a church that was filled with the Holy Spirit, a church that was committed. A church that had emotions like you and I and yet were ready to pay the price because they believed wholeheartedly in the promise of God. Yeah. They had a hope. They had a hope that would not be squashed. <coughs> and this is what all this is about, friends, when you're reading. Just remember, like I said, when you're reading these, these, these scriptures, these letters, they're speaking to people with families, with love, with emotions, like you and I. And that we're living in a society you know, it could cost them everything to follow Jesus, but they believed wholeheartedly it was worth paying the price. It should be challenging to us, and it should bring us to a place: Do we truly believe wholeheartedly? Are we truly committed? And I know none of us can say with certainty. Can't we? None of us can say, "Oh, I'm absolutely committed. I'm absolutely 100 percent sold out for Jesus. I've got a long way to go, guys." Yes. Let's be inspired, let's be encouraged, let's go on. Christians hold dual nationality, you know I We've got some dual nationals in here, we've got some Germans, we've got a German at the back here. Yeah? Yeah. Bless the Germans. The French, were the French I always say, think about the French, I'm not going to say
1: anything today. <laughs>
0: we've got the Vikings with us, we've got all sorts, of have got Scots. What else we got? Philippines. Filipino. You're half Polish and
1: German. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, that's right. There you go. Half Polish and German. I don't know how that works.
0: (laughs) Bit of a casserole. (laughs)
1: We've
0: got dual nationals. Actually, we've all got dual nationality. We're all citizens of heaven. you know what? now proud to be British. I am. I love my country, close to the right state. I'm British, my heart's British, but my citizenship is in heaven. Amen. 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 possession. Goodness me. And I just want to read to you again the scripture I read at the beginning of the service in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things that they sink in like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, he didn't pay in coinage for you, friends. He poured out his own precious lifeblood to be able to redeem you, to purchase you, that you might become his special possession. That sense of belonging. First thing we see here is that we are a people for He says in 1 Peter 2, verse 10, Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who would not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Guess what? It was God's idea to save you. It was God's idea to bestow His mercy <coughs> upon you. We weren't bothered. We would have lived our lives carrying on living in rebellion. No problem whatsoever. But God wanted to have mercy upon us. God was the one who initiated this plan and this project. God formed us as his own people. Isn't that wonderful? So therefore, there's no room for pretense. There's no room for arrogance. Because it's more a question of responsibility, isn't it? Than it is privilege. Responsibility. We're a people formed by God. And we were formed because of his mercy. 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 That's it. Mercy. Mercy formed for God what is our purpose? 1 Peter 2 verse 9, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous life you see that was what it was all about with Israel in the Old Testament, Israel was supposed to be a witness to the nations of the great things God was doing Israel was meant to bear witness, was meant to proclaim the praises of him who had redeemed them so often they fell short. So often they fell short. Let that that would be a lesson to us. And that we've been called to proclaim the praises of him. Who called us out of darkness into his marvellous night. To be a witness to the nations. Proclaiming the mercy and grace that has been bestowed upon his people. In other words. Lord you have mercy upon me. You made me. I was living a sinful life, I was living a rebellious life, but you've you've had mercy upon me, you've opened my eyes, you've transformed me, you've brought me out of that kingdom of darkness and death and sin and you've translated me into the kingdom of your beloved son, and my purpose now is to demonstrate to demonstrate, to proclaim not just with words, but the way that I live to demonstrate all that you've done for me yes That's the role church, that's our mission, as the church. Let's listen to the mission statement. We've we've talked about the vision statement. I want to talk about the the mission statement. It's based, based on Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. To be obedient. To be obedient to the great commission. Through the faithful proclamation of the gospel. And the developing, equipping and sending of disciples. And I think that just kind of encapsulates what we've been called to do as a church, yes. Everything we've been called to do as a church, our mission. We're not just set apart to be a kingdom of priests, to be a holy nation. You know, so we might be self-serving. So we might be satisfied in our little holy huddle, yes. No, we've not been called apart for that reason. God, in the same way that he set the nation of Israel apart, to be a witness to the nations, so the church is to be a witness to the nations. And guess what? You don't have to go thousands of miles. Yes, some of you are now called to that. You don't have to go thousands of miles across the oceans to be that witness. You can be that witness right wherever He's placed you, right wherever you are in your street, in your workplace, in your college, or wherever you are. That is your mission field. You. That's where He wants you to shine. That's where he wants you to proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Yes. Amen. You can make a difference right where you're at. Bless the Lord. What we seeing this morning. You are a chosen generation. A royal priest with a holy nation. His own special people. That you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've been called out of the darkness. And into the light of the knowledge of Christ. And we've seen that this implies that we have a responsibility, a responsibility to live for His glory and finally we are to magnify Him as His people. It's all about Him. Amen. How am I magnifying Him wherever I am? Am I? The words that I speak, the things that I do, you know, wherever I am, am I magnifying the Lord or not? Am I a chameleon? It just blends into the surroundings to avoid problems. Let's pray. Father, Father, we just want to say thank you this morning that you have called us. Lord, to me, that special people, that special treasure, that people that are set apart from a society, Lord, a rebellious, sinful society. We would not have set apart that we might condemn it, Lord, but set apart that we might witness to Lord, what you are able to do for each and every one that is in captive, Lord, in captivity of darkness and sin and rebellion. Lord, so many of us have been there. You set us free. Lord, we just want to say thank you this morning for that. Lord, not that we... That we become arrogant. That we condemn. Lord, that we are we are willing to share, to proclaim your praises, the things that you have done, the things that you are able to do, Father. Lord, for so many others. Help us, Lord, to shine right where you placed us, right where you are. Not just, just live dreaming about where we could be. But Lord, to live and, and, and be an effective witness right where you put us. Help us, Lord. Help us to do that Father, to be that effective witness. Lord, we thank you. You, you made us with that need to belong. But Lord, that need can only be satisfied by you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you.
1: Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord.
0: Just while let's just have a a couple of minutes, just (coughs) bow your heads and hearts, because I just want to extend this invitation this morning. Maybe you're here, and maybe this is the first time you're hearing this message. Maybe you've come to church on a number of occasions, but you've not yet taken that step to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that he died for you. That he was raised to life on the third day. He paid the price for your sins. For your rebellion on the cross 2,000 years ago. The question is what are you going to do in response? And If you want to say this when I'm ready. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. For him to come to be my Lord and my Saviour. To transform me, To take me from the kingdom of darkness. and bring me into his own kingdom. I want you to raise your hand real
1: high. Is anybody here this morning?
0: Anyone? It's not about coming to church, friends. Yeah. That's a consequence.
1: So, Father, we just say thank you.
0: Lord, you know, every heart, every mind, every life. I just pray your blessing, Lord, upon each person.
1: In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.